When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama, what a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, let's go. Sooner Sports Podcast live on a Monday. And, of course, for those of you that subscribe at Soonersports.com slash podcast, Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. He's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. Zach Tilly, one man showing it today. He's upstairs. As producer and director. Well, no Meg? No. no Meg today. One man can do two jobs like that? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. It, he's a, kind of makes fact, you wonder what we need Meg for. A great looking question. I have no idea. To give us countdown. I'm to kidding, say I got five Meg. minutes left I'm in the kidding, show. Meg. Uh, we got a lot to get to. And in case you didn't notice this, the Sooners had their biggest rally in the history of OU football to win on Saturday How are you night. doing? I haven't recovered yet. Yeah. How about you? I'm still trying to figure out, like, what happened. Same. Mm-hmm. Same. That's been my, my drive back from Waco, my Sunday, and most of my Monday is just sit, listening to Lincoln talk, talking to Jalen, talking to Ronnie Perkins. Who else will we talk to today? Oh, Kenneth Murray. The whole time I'm looking at these guys and I'm hearing what they're saying, but in my mind, I remember 28 to 3, and I remember that place rocking like it was. And I remember cheering in the press box. And I remember uh, the the Jumbotron trolling us with Truth Hurts and the schooner crashing. And then in my mind, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. We won that game. Right. They came back in unbelievable fashion and probably could have won by even a larger margin had a few mistakes not happened. You know, Jalen fumbling going into the end zone, but wow, what a Even night. overcame the opening prayer. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I, 
Go on. We don't, I, no, we, we don't have to dwell on that. But there is one reason why we won on Saturday Just night. one? Just one. Uh, Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, who oh, yeah. is sitting to my, I guess, left, TV right. But threw this tweet up to remind everyone the biggest difference was hoodies up. At halftime, you, Teddy, Stats, Blackwood. Uh-huh. Co- did Coach have a hoodie on, or was he just? No hoodie for Merv, okay. I don't believe. But, yeah, we all, went, we all went hoodies up in the uh, radio booth. And that's the first time that's ever happened. But, you know, that had nothing to do with them coming back and winning. Oh, I don't know about that. But it led to, you know, we had some fun on Sunday with Sooner fans saying, you know, what do you do? Because everybody has something right. that they firmly believe helps the team play better, football, basketball, whatever it may be. And some of the responses were just fantastic, glorious, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the guy that had uh, what he made his parents watch in a room and not leave. It's like, wait a minute, you guys stay in there. There was a lot of people who sent their wife or best friend or children <laughs> or somebody happened to be in the restroom right when OU scored, and so they locked them in there for the rest of the game or kitchen or whatever room it may be. Uh, one of my favorites was the guy who went outside. This was in the this, – this was not this Saturday, but some previous game. He went outside to get something. While he was out there, OU scored. Mm-hmm. And so he stayed outside and watched the rest of the game <laughs> through the window. And it was 35 degrees outside. So there was a lot of uh, – That's commitment. One guy went home. One guy went home. This was the OU Nebraska game back in 2000 when it was 14-0 Nebraska. He went home, got back in bed, got out of bed, took a shower, put on his clothes again, and drove back to the party. Like, he started his day all over again. And OU came back and won. So, in other words, this didn't work out well. I'm going to hit reset on the Xbox. Yes. And this is just going to be life. I'm going to start all over. Uh, When we came back to beat Tennessee, one of my buddies actually uh, stepped away from watching. It's like, I'm done watching it. And as soon as he stopped watching it, they scored. And so then he's like, well, I can't watch anymore. So he was peeking around the corner having people give him updates. But, you know, you, you hit it on the head. I mean, we can have fun with this, and we can say tongue-in-cheek it made a difference. But let's start with the biggest question from Saturday night, which is this. How? How did they pull this off from where they were to where they ended up in winning this game 34-31? to Greatest comeback in Sooner football history. Dominating in time of possession. Dominating in yardage. And they did it all with five fumbles, what, Three total turnovers, four total turnovers. Unbelievable. They, they basically did not allow Baylor to play in the second half. There you go. And they basically there said, we're going to take the ball, and sorry, I hope you've had fun, but you do not get it in the second half. I mean, that basically what happened. At one point, it was uh, – well, I got it right here. At one point – By the way, he's also prepping for basketball while he's doing this show today, which is incredible. It was 36-4 to four play differential in the second half. Then at a later, after they had tied it up, OU had run 49 plays to Baylor's seven. Baylor ended up playing, running 16 plays in the second half to OU's 58, I believe, but eight of those or several of those were on the, the final drive. It was keep away. They got the turnover on the first snap of a, of a drive, the hasty fumble. Then they had two straight three and outs. Um, and then every time OU had the ball, they had them for multiple – Double-digit play drives, 11-play drive, 12-play uh, drive, five, six-minute drives. So the Baylor defense was constantly on the field. Oklahoma started to wear on them, move the ball consistently. And the defense was so fresh, the OU defense was so fresh, that when they got out there, 
they were able to make plays. What you have to do to climb that mountain mm. in somebody else's stadium when it was rocking like that is almost you have to play almost flawless, and yet they still fumbled the ball on the one yard line going in and, found <laughs> and had a, way a personal to win. foul after it too. But you can, I mean, you can look. We can do this all day. You can look back to play after play and play and say, oh, but if not for that, right? It, 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 Jalen picks up the bad snap and chunks it out of bounds. If Drake touches that ball on the the punt that's rolling along, right? Nick Benito. Is that is one of the most unbelievable 45 seconds in OU football history. If if he drops that pick and Baylor goes on to win the game, I I don't want to over exaggerate, but unfortunately, he has a spot in OU football history that you don't want to have. I mean, I like the Bill Buckner thing, you know? Right. Like, that's, it's one of those things where everyone will talk forever about the drop pick from Nick Benito. And on the very next play, he makes that play, that play. And now that's his legacy. And he did it in 60 seconds or less. Uh, it's just a remar- one of the most remarkable <laughs> games I've ever seen. <laughs> I haven't seen I that. I have not seen that yet either. I haven't uh, seen that I, yet. That looked a lot like us up in the press <laughs> box. <laughs> what happened? Oh. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I, 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 and there's more. That was three or four things. But, I mean, you could go on and on and on about the things that happened in this game that were amazing. There was the kid who came out of the stands and had a chance to block a punt and ran into the leg of the punter. I still have no idea who that was. Baylor had one <laughs> penalty in this game. One. Yeah. In the entire game. And what? And in the whole was, game, you're right. It was massive. Yeah. The one penalty they had was in the second quarter, Oklahoma's only touchdown drive. It's 28 to 3. They go for it on fourth down. And, and a pass interference is called, but they say it was tipped. Mm-hmm. So Baylor gets the ball. The Baylor's turn them over on downs. Baylor offense runs onto the field. The OU defense runs onto the field. And the referees get together and change their mind and decide it's defensive holding instead. And the drive continues, and OU scores a touchdown and gets a sliver of momentum going into the locker room. It's the only penalty Baylor got all night. <laughs> And it was huge. Yep. yep. And, you know, I say it tongue-in-cheek, but the instead of roughing, the running into the kicker, as yes. we brought up, yes. you mentioned Stoops not touching the ball, but then, of course, Benito having one right in his hands and Charlie Brewer saying, all right, I'll give you one more chance on it. Just amazing. Ama- and then Charlie Brewer being able to do whatever he wanted running the football in the first half, and I, we'll get into defensive adjustments here in just a little bit, but and then the Sooners being able to shut it down in the second half, it just it, it was absolutely phenomenal. So let's let's head to we could sit here and do how for the next 30 minutes of this pre, of this podcast, but we're already down to just 15 minutes left. So let's hit the Jalen Hurts story. What a resilient performance! He was fired up afterwards. He was real. He was emotional, as you might imagine. Uh, but yet it still came back to the old adage of winning the day, going one and zero, and despite all of the problems, Toby he found a way to become uh, a difference maker in the second half. That's one I, think it might, I think it might be the greatest performance in college football history by someone who turned the ball over three times. <laughs> we need to get on Google yeah. and find I'll out. I'll get because, ESPN yeah. stats and info right. on that one. Um, he had some back-breaking errors uh, in the first half and, and certainly the fumble going in in the second half. But just was Herculean in how he put this team on his back without C.D. Lamb on the field with him. 
he just kept, I mean, hardly any of these runs did he slide on. I mean, he's taken it to contact, getting right back up. They'd ask him to run it again, making plays on third down over and over again. Uh, just a fantastic performance. I, I think that it's still going to be hard for him to catch Joe Burrow, but this might have sealed him an invite to New York City. The touchdown of Theo Wees, thankfully I didn't get caught in the background, might have been up there with some of my more embarrassing celebrations oh, really? on the sideline, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was worried. I looked up at the Jumbotron. I was like, oh, no. And then I realized I was in the background. But enough about me. How about Jalen? Um, it's still amazing to think that this guy's a captain after only being on this campus since February. It's still amazing to see what he's doing since he's in. What, did, what was his joke earlier? He had about six different offensive coordinators whenever he was at Alabama, and now to see how he's excelling. And some of those throws, you know, that touchdown pass that he made to Braden Willis, and he's rolling right, yeah. and you've got one of the, in, in Lynch, one of the best offensive linemen in the Big 12, maybe in the country, bearing down on you, and you step off one foot and you throw back shoulder. I mean, some of those throws he made were fantastic. And being smart with his body, too. Getting down, yes, he took some contact, but you notice he got down, avoided a big shot. He's tough, and that was, that was as impressive of a performance that I've seen. He took some big he shots did. and got right back up, and they'd say, all right, they'd give him the ball the next play and say, go do it again. Um, oh, by the way, thank you. Zach Tilly just reminded me. Since we are live, and that's part of what makes this podcast uh, so unique is because we want to hear from you. So, I believe we're live on the uh, Athletics and the Football Facebook page and on Twitter as well, too. You can hit us up at OU on the Air. Just comment below with any question you have from Saturday or any looming thoughts or maybe you had something that you did differently that helped lead to the Sooners rally like Toby and the broadcast crew putting their hoodies up. I didn't have anything I did. I feel bad. I charged my phone. You go hoodies up with us next game? Next, oh, if it gets, yes. I, I don't know if we, ask, let me ask you this. A lot of people are now saying hoodies up the rest of the season, Ooh. which I'm fine with that, but maybe it's a, only to turn things around thing, you know? Like you, it? To make sure we got the hoodies just in case we fall behind early. Well, maybe you won't need it again. Maybe it's a situation to where fantastic. they put those four quarters together. All right, so we talked about the how. We talked about the resiliency of Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about what clicked. Because if you ask every single defensive player to a man, there wasn't really any major adjustment. You know, it wasn't, oh, well, we, you know, we shifted. We went back to our basic defense. We didn't use the No, it was... It was basically they just executed better. And, oh, yeah, they didn't have to be on the field much in the second half. Well, I do think, and this is just, you know, knowledge from Ted Lehman, that they did play the run differently from Charlie Brewer. That's a first-half sack right there. That's on the opening drive. But Brewer was gashing him in the quarterback run game in the first half. And um, on the rare opportunity Baylor had the ball in the second half, it did look like they kind of slowed down the rush a little bit and more throughout the net. And maybe with the exception of Ronnie Perkins, um, and said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna kind of sit here, and if you decide to run, we're gonna catch you. Not get so far upfield and just let him run by you." So maybe took the, a tad bit of the aggressiveness out of the defensive line, and the trade-off there was Charlie Brewer's not gonna continue to hurt us with his feet. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a big adjustment. I mean, the, that sideline after that takeaway. You, you were down there. That might have been Changed the most everything. electric it's been all year. Changed everything. Uh, in fact, to hear Lincoln talk about it after the game, you and I talked about it this morning on the radio. Uh, it was one of the more ama – you talk about the best performance from a guy who turned the ball over three times. It might end up being one of the most amazing momentum changers that didn't lead to a score 
in a really long time right. because that was the drive when the Sooners fumbled heading into the end zone. So it was just it, it changed everything when that happened. And you know, talking to Kenneth Murray post game and then talking to him again today, it's just that it reinforces that what the coaches have been selling and what the coaches have been preaching and teaching that if you get it, if you get it done, you go out there and get the football back, it makes all the difference in the world. And I know they didn't end up in the, the plus numbers on the turnovers, but those were two pretty big ones. What I hope this does for the defense is get them back in the, the positive confidence frame of mind. Ted talks about it all the time. Is defense is playing with a swagger, playing with a confidence. And for seven games this year, you saw a team that did that. I mean, yeah. they were extremely confident. And then lost that edge a little bit against Kansas State and against Iowa State and certainly for the first half down in Waco. But pitching a shutout in the second half the way they did, hopefully they're puffing their chest and they're walking a little taller. And when uh, TCU rolls into town Saturday, we see that defense from the first half of the year again. Max Duggan looked pretty good uh, against he's getting, Texas Tech. He's getting much better. Big They've young. got some offensive weapons. I mean, you throw in Rager and Analanalua. Uh, I think that's right. Close uh, enough. Uh, Shewo Analua. Is that right? Yeah, I got it. And you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Darius Anderson. Right. Who's they a, got some offensive weapons. A beast. Uh, they're a scary team coming in offensively, and they, they've got nothing to lose. I mean, they really don't right, right. now. And they have played us well here in Norman whenever there's a big moment on the line. Um, so, playmakers. No C.D. Lamb on Saturday. What a story that was to follow from the time we got to the stadium on Saturday and kind of the social media buzz that had surrounded it. And then Gabe basically – Gabe Eichert, who's on a radio broadcast, you see him on Sooner Sports TV on Sooner Game Day, related a story in how he was following and watching C.D. Lamb, and it reminded him a lot of when he was a player, and they had him go through pregame warm-ups. I mean, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, if you were watching CeeDee Lamb as closely as I was in the pregame, he looked like a guy that was ready to go. I mean, he looked great <laughs> during pregame warm-ups. But Gabe kept pointing out, even during that, not necessarily on the air, hey, his routine seems different. You know, it seems like he's doing a few things differently than what you would traditionally see and how routine-oriented guys. And he pointed out, hey, whenever I didn't play, I went through all the pregame warm-ups, and then all of a sudden, whenever it came time for kickoff, they're like, why don't you just uh, let's not risk it. And it appears as if that's what happened on Saturday. So in the absence of C.D. Lamb, boy, the future's pretty bright. Stogner, Louise, Hazelwood. Oh, my goodness, they're out there making plays. And how about the re, not just the young guys, Toby, but kind of the reemergence of that tight end position. With, yeah. and, and I know Willis is an H-back now, but seeing Willis out there, seeing Stogner out there, and Lee Morris had a couple Lee of Lee Morris catches. had a monster game. He didn't get in the end zone, but that fi- he made a fingertip catch on third down that was fantastic. Huge. Um, yeah, Trajan Bridges, I don't think, had any catches on Saturday, but obviously we know what he can do. But uh, Stogner's going to be a monster, folks. I'm just telling you right now. This is the, the birth of something that hopefully over the next couple of years grows into one of the great tight ends in Oklahoma history. His size and athleticism, I mean, he's a, Teddy loves him. He calls him Baby Gronk. Uh, he's got a chance to be the next Mark Andrews at that position. Um, and then Theo Weiss has two touchdowns this year, and both of them were spectacular. The one where he carried about five defenders with him into the end zone earlier in the year, and I'm sure there's one coming up here we'll see in just a second where, look at that, look at this run, the spin. He gets into the end zone and beats two guys and outraces a, a third. So, yeah, here it is right here, the Weiss touchdown where he gives the guy a little curl move and then, boop, got by you, and then it's a race from there on. So, yeah, no, the future's very bright. Now, what you hope comes out of this is, all right, those guys – get some playing time in a really important football game, and they perform well. And now they have some confidence going forward. And more importantly, 
Jalen Hurts has confidence that he can throw the ball their way once C.D. Lamb is inserted back into the lineup. And, you know, you got that many more weapons. Woo! I didn't realize how good that fake was until I saw that on that overhead. That drew everyone up. I was watching Matt Kemp, who was on the sidelines for this game. Can I say former Red great, or can I just hold on to him being a former Dodger great? He, he was not great for the Reds. <laughs> former he, Dodger great. He, yeah. He was on the sidelines. He was only with us for like a week and a half. And so. I was standing right next to him whenever that play happened. And he goes, ooh, wide open. And I had no idea what he was talking about because I thought it was Jeremiah Hall uh -huh. on the flat because there were a lot of people on the sidelines that I don't know what they were doing. They were, <laughs> they were fans. I'm not even kidding. Uh, and sure enough, Braden Willis was wide open and changed the, whole, changed the whole game. But, yeah, I mean, those young guys stepping up, that Theo Wee's run is something we'll play over in our mind once again. And you mentioned it. Trajan Bridges had a couple of penalties on special teams. But he made the big catch against Iowa State mm -hmm. the week before on a lob in the end zone. So these, this future is so bright beyond just these last two, three, four, hopefully five games, because now you start thinking about, my gosh, when, when CD went down and they didn't start well, these young men stepped up and made big-time plays. So it was exciting to see. All right, and finally, one more point that we want to hit before we get to your questions. What do you see him standing in the Week 13 college football playoff rankings? Not a lot of madness happened. Minnesota lost, so they'll dip a little bit, but – you know, Alabama losing Tua for the rest of the season. They still won the game, so I don't know at 9-1 if that's going to affect them too much as far as the rankings are concerned. What do you think? I don't think they'll punish Alabama until they're given a chance to show what they are without him. I mean, I think they'll – Fair point. You know, they haven't really shown that they struggle without him yet, so I think they'll let him go play a game or, or two before they reevaluate what Alabama is. I think Oklahoma moves up a spot, maybe two, but the bottom line is – the formula doesn't change. I mean, the, the formula all along, the teams you need to lose in front of you and you want to root for and against is the same. I guess the Minnesota loss helps out a little bit. But, you know, I'm kind of given Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU a spot. I'm kind of assuming those three teams are going to be in. If that's the case, then the two things that you got to worry about is the Pac-12 champ. Right. And you have to have LSU win out. You can't have Georgia win that SEC championship game. So I think that was true before Saturday. I think it's true after. The thing that maybe helps OU in this game is the way in which they won it, the spectacular comeback to do it on the road without C.D. Lamb um, is a notch in their belt when it comes to that beauty pageant of one-loss teams at the end of the year. If OU is still standing there at the end of the year as a one-loss conference champion, this, what happened Saturday, looks good. I think we'll also get a good feel as to how the committee viewed that by where they put Oklahoma where they put Baylor. on Tuesday night and where they put Baylor. All right, a couple of quick questions, right. and we'll get out of here. We'll wrap it up. Live Sooner Sports Podcast, Zach Tilly running the show. What's our first question? Liz wants to know, will C.D. Lamb, I assume she's referring to Bolitnikoff semifinalist Sidarian Lamb, will C.D. play this weekend? Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln gave an update, right? Lincoln said it's up in the air. It's not a definite no. It's not a definite yes. So we don't know, Liz. And I would guess we probably won't know. If he's not going to say it on Monday, he's probably not going to update us all week. And so I think we're going to have a situation where the saga will continue again until Saturday. And we'll probably be looking yeah. at him in pregame warm-ups like we did Saturday and all that again. Here's the thing. Uh, regardless of how many times I tell you he looks amazing 
just realized he looked amazing in warm-ups in Waco. Right. <laughs> so we'll keep our fingers crossed that he's able to go. But unfortunately, Liz, not a true, I guess, clear answer on that. And maybe Lincoln will tell Toby Tuesday night at the coaches show. Maybe, but. Maybe. Maybe he'll tell Jessica Cootie on Friday morning during the final practice report. Maybe. Or maybe we'll all find out when the Sooners have that first series on Saturday. And then time for one more question. This is from Ray. Uh, it kind of dovetails off what we were talking about just moments ago. Given our strength of schedule and the performance against Baylor, are we truly deserving of a playoff spot? Critical mistakes are happening more and more. You seem fun, Ray. <laughs> Ray, come on. They just beat Baylor. They rallied from out of nowhere to win that game. Of course they deserve a spot. I mean, if the playoff was today, is Oklahoma playing like one of the four best teams in the country? I don't know. I don't know. Georgia had an impressive win down at Auburn. Those other three teams I mentioned, Oregon looks good right now. Utah had a nice win over UCLA over the weekend. I don't know that you can uh, – I don't know that I could definitively say, yes, Oklahoma is playing right now like one of the four best teams in America. But don't have to know right now. There's three more games to be played. So what you hope is that the second-half performance – is a springboard, trampoline's a word that you use. I use it way too much. Next week, they play even better, look even better. The next week, they play even better, look even better. Big 12 championship game, they play even better, look even better. And by that point, maybe we, maybe you, Ray, maybe the uh, committee looks at them and says, this deserves to be one of the four best teams in the country. So we know that, it, that's how this works. We know in moments they've looked like the best team in the country. I'd say second half the other night, they looked pretty Pretty dadgum good. Uh, and then finally, to wrap up before we get out of here and say adios on a Monday, how about some other superstitions that Tilly was able to get together? Kelly, or Kaylee, 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 Kaylee? Okay. Uh, says, I moved to sitting on the floor and didn't get up for the whole right. second half. That's, that's pretty pedestrian, but we'll take it. You know, I've done that a lot. Jeff writes, I watched the second half through the window. Mm -hmm. So were you stuck outside, Jeff? Uh, here's Randy. <laughs> Randy watched the last half from the bathroom. <laughs> you decide you're going to go in the bathroom and just going to yeah. stay there? Oh, not bad. I, I wish go I Go to the thread on Twitter. Uh, check it out. It's, yeah. it, it's, uh, it'll give you a, a good 30 minutes of laughs, it's, I promise. It's at T-Row-O-U. It's fantastic to kind of roll through some of the different superstitions. But it's a win, and it's an impressive win, and it's the greatest comeback in Sooner history. Now we get to honor these seniors on Saturday night, Oklahoma and TCU again. That's at 7 o'clock. Kick. Toby, what time are you on the air tonight for basketball? Uh, tip is at 6, so 5.30 pregame tonight. Yeah. All right, man. Kevin Henry, nice job. For uh, Toby and for our producer, director, do-everything Zach Tilly, I'm Chris Plank. We'll see you at uh, the basketball game tonight. Sure. We'll see you next Come Monday. Come on out, folks. Boomer Sooner, everybody.